Revelation 20, if you will. We're in Revelation 20. When you get to Revelation 20, we have concluded the tribulation period. There is likely a period of time between the ending of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium. Some believe that there could be as many as 75 days, and that comes out of the book of Daniel, but as many as 75 days between the ending of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium. That would leave time, they say, for the Old Testament saints to be resurrected, for the the martyred tribulation saints to be resurrected. That would take that would give time for the marriage supper of the Lamb to take place. And it may well be that between chapters 19 and 20 that there's maybe a period of time, as many as 75 days, and, and a lot of those things take place during that particular uh, period of time. But chapter 20 is going to describe for us what we call the millennium. It's a thousand-year rule of Christ on earth. Now, a lot of people today have spiritualized this, and they've said, you know, that the church takes over where Israel left off, and, uh, you know, the millennium, they're, they're, they're post-millennialist, or they're ah-millennialist, meaning no millennium. Uh, and they have different thinking about the millennium, but uh, it is my conviction that the promises that God made to Israel, especially about their own land and about the things that he was going to do for them that have not yet been fulfilled, that God is going to fulfill those promises. And the time and the place where God is going to fulfill those promises is during that period called the millennium. It'll be a great time because the curse of sin, like we have known it, will be lifted and uh, the lamb will lay down with a lion. You know, the illnesses that we're so familiar with today won't be prevalent like they are today. Uh, Jesus will be ruling from the throne of David, so there won't be nation rising against nation uh, because he will bring peace uh, to the earth. And it's just going to be what, you, what, what God intended the Garden of Eden to be to begin with uh, before sin entered and corrupted it all. Uh, this kingdom is, as I said, a thousand years long. And those that go into the kingdom, that come out of the, come out of the tribulation and go into the kingdom, they will have children. Those children will have children. The lifespans will be much longer than the lifespans are today, though, you know, our lifespan today is longer than, it, you know, it was a hundred years or 200 years ago. Uh, but, you know, it'll be long periods of, of lifespan um, like you think of in the Old Testament when you think about some of those long, lengthy li lives that were lived. That's the kind of period of time that the millennium describes for us. And so we begin in chapter 20 in, in verse 1. He says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And understand that this angel, some have said it's Jesus, but it can't be Jesus. This angel is another one of the archangels, and Jesus is the one who has the keys. Jesus gives the keys to the archangel. The archangel is going to open the bottomless pit, and he's going to ultimately put Satan in the pit. Uh, and he'll be, done, he'll be done with for a thousand years. Now, he'll be released after a thousand years for a short time. We'll see that in a few minutes. But uh, he'll be put in the bottomless pit. 
uh, and a great chain was in his hand to chain him in that pit. Please understand that the pit is not Hades. The pit is not the lake of fire. The pit is a place specifically for Satan to be held. Uh, And so you want to keep that in mind as as we move forward here uh, in chapter 20, verse 2 and 3. He laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Amen. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. I want you to notice he's called by three different names here. He's called the dragon, the serpent, and the old devil. Uh, The serpent of old, excuse me, and the devil. The dragon, the serpent of old, and the devil. Um, These are descriptive of his character. They are descriptive of his conduct. As a dragon, it conjures up the images of a monster. As a serpent, it conjures up the images of something that's slippery and subtle and poisonous. As a deceiver, he's someone who's a false accuser and a slanderer. All of those things are true of Satan. Uh, Satan is alive and well. He is the prince in the power of the air. And he is at work in the world in which we live. And the demonic host that follow his commands are at work in the world in which we live. But when it comes time for the millennium to officially begin, uh, this archangel given the keys by Jesus will take Uh, this dragon, this serpent, uh, this one who's Satan, and he will bind him in that pit, that specific place where Satan will be held for a thousand years. He'll bind him there so that he can't do the devious work that he's done throughout time since the beginning, really, of time with Adam and Eve. And and again, you begin to see uh, the beauty of the millennial age. Uh, The the curse of sin is lifted. Uh, Satan is bound Um, you know, things are uh, completely different. There's peace on earth. The Lord Jesus is ruling and reigning. Uh, All of these things are unfolding and happening uh, in a way that uh, makes it, um, it's a utopia. It's a utopian idea of of what the world was intended to be. And uh, it's it's going to be a beautiful place to live. I'm, I'm praying that maybe there'll be a golf course or two there. And maybe in my glorified body, I'll finally be able to play again and, um, you know, be able to enjoy all that God has prepared in that place. And you, you realize what we will be doing as members of the church age? We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. We'll be serving with him. We'll be assisting him. We'll be taking orders from him. You know, the idea of us sitting on a cloud and strumming a harp for the rest of eternity sounds more like hell to me than it does heaven. I, I want to be doing something. I want to be serving somewhere. And, um, um, you know, in the millennial age, you and I will be given responsibilities, roles and responsibilities that God will have us to fulfill. Verse 4, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image. And so who are these martyrs? These are the martyrs out of the tribulation and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, you you heard me say earlier at the very introduction 
that there may be a 75, as many as a 75-day period between the end of the tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, and the beginning of the millennial age because that time will allow for the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, the resurrection, as we're reading here, of the tribulation saints, and for the observance of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, uh, the observance of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that may be this time that we're talking about. But at some moment, at some time, those who had died as martyrs for the cause of Jesus are going to be resurrected. So I need to stop here for just a moment and talk to you about the two resurrections. There's two resurrections. There's a first resurrection and a second resurrection. But when you think of that, you think, well, there's only one resurrection and a second resurrection. But the reality is the first resurrection has different parts to it. There's six different parts to the first resurrection. There's one part to the second resurrection. For instance, um, when we talk about the resurrection, the 12 apostles who uh, are, you know, the, the first resurrection is the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's the first resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, the second resurrection is of a few saints. You remember when Jesus rose from the grave? It says there were a few saints that were resurrected, and immediately when Christ rose, they came up out of the graves. You remember that? That's, they're a part of that first resurrection. There's the resurrection of the saints. That's you and me at the rapture of the church. There's the, the resurrection of the two witnesses during that tribulation period. And then there's the resurrection of the dead from the tribulation that we read about in chapter 20, verse 5. And then finally, there's the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. So the, the first resurrection has six parts to it. They're all a part of the first resurrection because they're all going to be with Jesus forever. They're all going to celebrate what he's prepared for his children forever. And so they're all a part of the first resurrection. And so keep that in mind. You've got Jesus. You've got those that rose at the resurrection of Jesus. You've got the resurrection of the church-age saints. You've got the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. You've got the resurrection of the, of the, uh, of the, the uh, tribulation saints. And, and all of these are a part of the first resurrection. Uh, so when you say the first resurrection, you have a, a resurrection that takes uh, place in six different parts. I want you to notice that in verse 4 here, he says they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Who is it that's living and reigning with Christ? Well, at least in part, the 12 apostles. Uh, and they're probably the ones described as sitting on thrones in, in this verse. There'll be the saints. We talked about that a few minutes ago. And then there'll be the resurrected martyrs of the tribulation that were beheaded. And they will all... Uh, be ruling with Jesus Christ during that period of the millennium. So do you get the idea of what's going on? It's interesting to note that, that John recognized that martyred saints, before they were actually resurrected and given glorified bodies, were recognizable. You, you talk about your loved ones who uh, have left this, these physical bodies and they now are in heaven uh, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, right? right. Notice again what he says, verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. That's the apostles. That's church-age saints. That's the resurrected martyrs of the tribulation. They, they sat on... Uh, um, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. I saw the souls of those. I saw the souls 
of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. They were recognizable. Um, I, I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to recognize uh, our loved ones. Isn't that good news? We're going to recognize our loved ones. By the way, uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 19, you remember um, Moses and Elijah appeared, and the disciples had no trouble recognizing them, right? And so even before they get their glorified bodies, there is some kind of an intermediate state in which they are recognizable to, to those who can see them, those who can see into the beauty that God has prepared uh, for his children. Verse 5, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is, he says, the first resurrection. And so you see, you got the first resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of those saints that came up out of the grave at that time. You got the resurrection of, uh, of church age saints, of tribulation saints, of the Old Testament saints. You got these different parts of that first resurrection. And it says the rest of the dead, those who are not a part of the redeemed, who are the believing, the rest of them don't live for a thousand years. For a thousand years, they will remain in Hades. They will remain in that place of temporary punishment. And uh, there will be a resurrection for them. It'll be the last resurrection. It's the final resurrection. We would call it the second resurrection. And it's the resurrection of the unsaved dead. But that doesn't happen for a thousand more years. And when they're raised, they're not being raised to live on this earth again uh, on, in uh, the new heaven and the new earth. They're being raised uh, to be judged. And we'll see that in uh, just a moment. If you'll notice um, verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so everybody that's resurrected, everybody that has glorified bodies, everybody that goes into the millennium, everybody that's a part of that glorious age, when they go into that age, uh, they go in serving the Lord. The unsaved dead are not there. Only the saved are a part of the millennial age in its beginning stages. And uh, it is because we have escaped the second death. If you've only been born once, you die twice. If you've been born twice, born physically and born again spiritually, you only die once. That's the point. And he's talking about the second death. There are those who were, uh, who were born once, but not born twice, and so they've died once, but there's a second death that they yet have to face. Verse 7, now when the thousand years had expired, have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Now think about this for a moment. Uh, Satan's going to be released from his prison. Why? Because for just a little while, he's going to have opportunity to go about and do what he always does, which is to deceive people. Who possibly could he deceive? He's going to be able to deceive those who were born during the millennial age, who've lived these sometimes long periods of time in, in that millennial age, and who outwardly obeyed and did whatever was required of them to do, but whose hearts did not belong to the Lord. 
Uh, it'll be the evidence of the real problem of mankind, that, that we are at our core being uh, broken individuals. Uh, we at our, at our core being, we are sinful humanity. And they'll have an opportunity to be able to follow Satan And they'll actually be a part of an uprising against the Lord himself, verse 8. And he'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. He talks about the four corners. You know, the earth doesn't have four corners. We're not not living on a flat earth. There's some atheist that always takes that phrase and says, well, you know, there's the proof that the Bible isn't true and uh, you can't trust it because we don't live on a flat earth. We aren't flat earthers. You know, some, some people are just, they just look for ways to malign and, and mock God. You know, we talk about the east and the west, the north and the south, right? As points, east. I mean, you know, we're using language that, that's demonstrative of the things that we're looking at, how we would describe something as we're seeing it. And, and John's just talking about the earth, the four corners of the earth. He means that it stretches to every nation. It extends, this millennial reign extends to every, every kingdom on earth. From north to south to east to west, everywhere, this kingdom is extended. He goes on and he says, And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. So Satan's going to go out. He's going to deceive a whole bunch from the different nations that had never really followed the Lord with their whole heart but uh, had never believed in the Lord Jesus with their whole heart. And he'll have an uprising that arises. He calls them Gog and Magog. In my estimation, this is not the same as the Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's about a northern kingdom that's going to come down on Israel and attack them. During the tribulation period, I believe that this particular reference to Gog and Magog, he's using it as uh, as a reference. To this. this is something very similar to what happened against Israel during the, at the end of the tribulation. This is the same kind of spirit, the same kind of attitude. There's this uprising amongst the nations, amongst a group of people out of the nations that are coming against uh, God and against the things of God. By the way. You can't beat God. Verse 9, they went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Isn't that interesting? It gathers around where the Lord is ruling. It gathers around the encampment of the saints Uh, This this Gog and Magog, this uprising against Christ, this one last final uprising against Christ. But are they successful? No. Suddenly fire falls on them and they're instantaneously uh, destroyed. Verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's the final place for all who reject Jesus, including Satan. Were cast into the, he was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. You remember earlier on we read about that? The beast and the false prophet were put there. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I say thank God because they have tormented us for all of the period of our lives. 
And so finally, the last chapter on his deceitful character will be written. And after that, he'll not be able to harm anyone, anywhere, anymore. And that can't come too too, uh, soon for me. That brings us to what's called the great white throne judgment. We we started at the beginning of the millennium or just before it with uh, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, the resurrection of the the, uh, tribulation saints with the marriage supper of the Lamb. The the millennium begins. Christ rules. He removes the curse uh, uh, on the earth. He chains up Satan so that he can't bother us. Uh, You know, all of the peace, it's all over everywhere. People are living long, long periods of time in life. Life is wonderful and good. The earth is producing multiple fold more than it ever has before. I mean, everything is wonderful, but in the midst of it, those that are born still have sinful hearts. Satan rises up, gets together a band to fight against the Lord one last time, and God puts them down. But then, after that thousand years, what comes next is called the great white throne judgment. This is when the second death takes place. This is when that last resurrection, the second resurrection that leads to the the second death, is when it takes place. Notice, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Uh, The great white throne judgment is a place where the final sentence will be passed upon those who are unsaved. And none of them will escape this horrible sentence. And it says that the earth and the heaven fled away uh, because they'd been tainted by sin and that they will be destroyed and be made new. Now, there's different, there's different ideas about this. Some people think that uh, the Lord's simply going to use fire and purify this earth and, and make it like it's supposed to be the new heaven and the new earth purified by fire. I'm more of the mentality that he's going to make something brand new going to start all over. I don't want to start with something that's already been corrupted once. Um, I'm going to start all over and do it uh, all over again. And won't that be wonderful, the new heaven and the new earth? Chapter 20, verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. All unbelievers in history from the beginning of time will be judged at the great white throne. And you notice that it says that they're judged by their works. And those works determine the degree of the punishment that they experience. But please don't misunderstand that. Somebody says, well, he was a really good guy. So maybe his punishment won't be so bad. The lake of fire is bad no matter where you are. Right? Uh, the lake of fire is bad no matter where you are. And um, uh, you, don't want, you don't want your loved ones to be anything, to have any part of it. Uh, besides, Satan is there. Uh, the Antichrist is there. The beast is there. It's not exactly the company that I want to keep. Um, but I also want you to recognize that there's a resurrection of all unbelieving people. And all unbelieving people will have a glorified body of some type. You and I have a glorified body when we are resurrected from the grave and we'll live in that glorified body that's like the body of Jesus. But even the unbelieving, when they are resurrected at this final resurrection, this second 
uh, at this second resurrection where the second death takes place, they will receive a body of some kind of a glorified state that isn't subject to being consumed in the flames of the fire. Or then hell isn't eternal. But the scripture teaches it is eternal. So they have to receive some kind of a body that's able to withstand and not be consumed in that, in that fire. And the, the ones that are being uh, judged are the ones who are not in the book of life. That's the Lamb's book of life. You know, the Lamb's book of life where we, our names were placed because we trusted in the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And thus you have the, the last resurrection. And you have the second death that takes place. Verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I, I don't know how it will unfold. Um, but I can imagine somebody objecting. You know, there's got to be at least uh, somebody to object and say, hey, that, I don't deserve to be sentenced to that. I don't deserve to be sentenced to that. And what does he do? He opens the book. And he says, your name's not written here in the Lamb's book of life. He opens the books of all of the works. And he says, these are the works that you have done. And according to these works will be your judgment. And then to hear those words that you're cast into that lake of fire is something that ought to break our hearts. We don't want anyone to have to experience the second death. We don't want anyone to have to experience that torture and that punishment for all of eternity, especially in, fact, in, the, in light of the fact that Jesus has paid the penalty there's no reason for you not to receive the free gift of eternal life. And these that have been placed into that lake of fire will not be annihilated. They will live there for eternity. And so you have in chapter 20 the millennial reign of Christ. That's not the only place you learn about the millennial reign. Uh, all of the promises, as I said, that are made to Israel... Um, you know, all of those promises that haven't yet been fulfilled to Israel, uh, those are still going to be fulfilled, and they'll be fulfilled during that millennial reign. And you know who's going to sit on the throne of David? Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of David. And so we come to the end of the millennium. What lies ahead is the beauty of heaven. Um, all the different colored stones, no sickness, no sorrow, no sadness, no suffering, no pain, uh, no funeral homes, no cemeteries, um, no hospitals, no medicine. Uh, none of the things that we're used to in this life will be present. We'll talk about that in a coming lesson, uh, and then we'll finish out chapter twenty. Uh, we'll finish out the last chapter, 21 and 22. We'll finish out ch chapter 22 uh, at, at some point going forward here. Okay? Are y'all all with me? Y'all yes. all happy? Yes. Okay.